We're in our series called Questions I Wanted to Ask God. I think there's a lot of questions that we would want to ask God. You know, there's so many things that we wonder about, like, why does this happen? Why does that happen? Today, I want to talk about how can I change my life, because it seems like we can't. Have you noticed that? That sometimes you get in a problem and you want to change, and it just seems like I can never turn this around. And then sometimes you see somebody else making changes, and you wonder, why can't I do that? You know, especially things like diets. How about this one? I, mean, I want to change. I'm going to start having a daily quiet time. Every morning, I'm going to get up before I go to work and spend time with God. Have you tried that before, and then it lasts for two days? I mean, it's hard to make changes. You, you believe the change is going to benefit your life, but for whatever reason, I can't follow through. So we say to God, God, why can't we do this? Why is it that we have failure over and over again on things that we desire to improve in our life? Maybe for you it's an attitude. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe you want to change the way you look. Maybe there's a weakness in your life and you want it to be gone, but you don't seem to have any success with that. And have you noticed we'll go to seminars to change. We'll read books that we think are going to help us to change. We try every different diet out there. And still, it seems like we go back to our old patterns. It's not lasting. It might last for three weeks. And then before we know it, we're back in the old system that we were in before, and there's no change. Have you ever started deciding, I'm going to start working out? I'm going to work out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And then you miss a day here, then you miss a day there. And before you know it, we think, if I pay for a membership, I'm committed now. I'm going to, that will force me to show up, and you've been paying for a membership for the last eight months, and you haven't shown up once. These are the things that we do. We desire change, but we can't do it. Why is that? I think a lot of it is because we focus too much on the external and not on the internal. See, I'm focusing on something external that I want to change, but I won't have that ability to change that until I change what's going on in the inside of me. It's much deeper than what's just on the outside. There's things on the inside of me that are preventing me from having the power to change. Now, this morning, we're going to look at Jacob. Jacob has a wrestling match with God. Can you imagine that? I'm a high school wrestling coach. I've wrestled one time. I don't know if I told you this. I one time wrestled this guy named uh, Mohammed Gorbani. He was the 1975 uh, world champion. I got to wrestle him. And he would tell me, it wasn't in a real match, it was in practice, but he was there that day. So I, and he wanted to wrestle around with me. I don't know why he picked me, but uh, he wanted an easy target, I guess. But he would tell me what he was going to do. He would say, okay, I want to work on my single legs. You know, it's a shot where you go for one leg and you take them down. So I thought, okay, this guy's making it easy for me. He told me what he's going to do. You know what happened? He'd take me down. I knew what he was going to do. It'd be like on a football team, and they tell you ahead of time, by the way, this is the play we're going to do. They warn the opposite team, but they're so much better that they just, it doesn't matter that you know what they're doing. They can just pick you apart. So I've wrestled with Mohammed Gorbania, the best wrestler in the world at that time around my weight class. But this guy wrestled with God. He wrestled with God. That's something beyond, you know, uh, something I can't imagine. Now, 
what does that mean to wrestle with God? We're going to look at that story. But what's going to happen in this wrestling match is there's four principles that take place that actually help to change Jacob's life permanently. Where he makes a change that really sticks. Okay? It's not like, hey, I want to start lifting weights, and then, you know, three weeks later you stop. It's something that you make a change because it's the things that happen on the inside of this guy's life that it actually continued for the rest of his life. It was something that became permanent. Now, the name Jacob's a weird name by our standards because they would name people names that had a lot to do with their character. And the word Jacob sort of means like trickery, like manipulation. Can you imagine if that's your name? You know, like trickery, like kind of manipulating people. And if you look at his lifestyle, that's what he did his whole life. He would trick, you know, his brother out of his birthright. He would trick his father-in-law out of their sheep and cattle and stuff like this. And then he'd run away. You know, trick him, get him really mad, steal this from that, them, steal that from them, and then run, run away. Then, you know, that was just pretty much his whole lifestyle. That's the type of person he was. He was really kind of a crook, if you look at him. He wasn't a good brother. He wasn't a good family member. He wasn't a good uh, son-in-law in a lot of ways. So let's look at him. Let's see this here. Phase one, we want to make changes in our life. What does God do? To change, sometimes we have to go through a crisis. Because some people will never change until the pain comes. They can know, I need to do something different. I need to do something different. But then when their boyfriend or girlfriend, or unfortunately even a spouse sometimes, gets so fed up that they leave them, they hit bottom and now they're ready to change. Until the pain came, they weren't willing to budge. They knew in their mind and heart it would be the best thing to do. But it's like they couldn't follow through until the pain came. Or... You know, I'm just picking this as an example, but maybe someone has a, a problem smoking and it's a habit. And you think, I know this is unhealthy for me, but you never change until you get a bad report from the doctor. And now that bad report from the doctor is so scary and what they're saying that it's not till the pain comes and the fear comes that you get rid of it. So that's how a lot of times, that's a lot of times what we do is we don't change until things get so bad, until we hit bottom, then we want to change. Look at Genesis 32, 24, and 25. It says, So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Now it talks about him wrestling with the man here. In verse 28 of this chapter is when, it re when it, he's revealed that it's actually God he's wrestling with. Throughout, this, throughout the night, it, it reveals to Jacob at that point in verse 28. But this is verse 24 and 25 before it says that. In those days, the point of a wrestling match is to be, make the other person give up. You know, it wasn't about pinning somebody. It was about you wrestle until the guy gives up. He taps out. You know, okay, you win, you win. Uncle, uncle, that type of thing. In those days, that's what you did. And I think we wrestle with a lot of things in our life. It's very likely that everybody in this room is wrestling with something right now. And maybe you've been wrestling all night with it for a long, long time. When you wrestle, some of us wrestled in high school and college. When you wrestle, uh, it's hard to wrestle 10 minutes straight. 30 minutes straight is really, really tough to keep going and going and going. All night, that, that's just too much. 
You know, it's, it's just so exhausting. And some of you are exhausted. You've been wrestling a long, long time, and you've been in this fight a long, long time, and you're in despair because you've seen no change in the struggles that you're going through. God, why am I in these struggles, and why am I in this crisis that I'm in, and there's nothing getting better? And I feel like my life is just being torn apart. Maybe it's a relationship that you're in that you're struggling with. It could be all kinds of circumstances, problems, difficulties, irritations. In your notes, it says, God, God often uses a crisis to get our attention. Sometimes the only way God can get our attention is through a hard time. What I'm saying is God loves you so much that if you have an area that you need to change in your life and you're not willing to do it on your own, he's willing to put you through tough times to bring about change. He's willing to say, I'm going to allow you to go through this pain so that you'll be willing to change. We're willing to change when we're in the pain. I can remember as a kid misbehaving, okay, and then going home to my dad, and my dad giving me a good hard swat in the behind, and there's something about pain that made me willing to change. You know? Before the pain came, I wasn't willing to change. My dad wasn't abusive, but he would give me a good hard swat in the behind, and all of a sudden, I'm all ears, and I'm obedient. And I say, yes, dad, what do you want me to do? All of a sudden, my whole character changed. Pain can really cause you to make some changes that you need to change. Even as an adult, you know me, I, I, I don't like to dress up. I don't like suits and ties. I'm just so uncomfortable with that. You know what? I like shoes that are comfortable. And brand new shoes aren't comfortable. And I don't like to wear brand new shoes. I really don't like them. So I wear shoes for a long, long time. Well, it rained maybe, a, I don't remember that day it rained, maybe a week or 10 days ago. I can't remember exactly when it was. And I wore these shoes, and my socks got soggy. <laughs> because I didn't realize that I've, got, I've been wearing them because they're so comfortable. I've been wearing, and it never rains out here. I've been wearing to them to the point that I guess there's holes in there now. Because my whole sock, you know, then... Um, Fortunately, it hasn't rained since that time, but it was on that day that I thought, oh, I need to get a new pair of shoes. Why? Because I was uncomfortable. I'm, I was 100% satisfied with my comfortable shoes, even though they're old. I was 100% satisfied because I wear them for comfort. But now that they're uncomfortable with me, it's going to rain tonight. Whew, I'll be home by that time. But uh, now that I'm uncomfortable, now, now I'm going to remember, like next time it rains, it's going to happen again. I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to buy shoes right now. But it took me discomfort to change, right? I'm telling you, that's how life is. A lot of things that we probably should change, we don't do it until we're not comfortable anymore, until the pressure comes, until there's enough pain and irritation in our life to say, if I don't make a change, I'm going to be living like this forever. And we need those irritations, we need that pain. We need those things to happen just to wake us up so that we can have a better life. God wants to give us a better life sometimes than what we want ourselves. God will allow pain into our life if that's what it takes to make the changes that we need to make. In your notes, we never change until the pain becomes greater than the fear because we're afraid to change. Jacob is struggling all night long. God brings a crisis, a struggle into your life because he's doing it because he loves you. Let me tell you this. 
God loves you exactly how you are. Now that God loves you exactly how you are. But God loves you too much to allow you to stay exactly as you are. Does that make sense? I have a three-year-old daughter and I have a 10-month-old baby. And I love them exactly as they are. I do. But if three years from now, my three-year-old is still acting like a three-year-old. If three years from now, my 10-month is still acting like a 10-month-old, that's a problem. I love them exactly as they are, but I love them too much to let them... I love them too much to allow a six-year-old to be acting like a three-year-old. I love them too much to let a three-year-old be acting like a baby. Does that make sense? I love them exactly how they are, but I'm not going to allow them to stay that way. They need to progress. They need to go forward. They need to grow. We as adults are the same way. God loves you too much to allow you to stay the way you are. He wants you to improve your life. Number two, phase two is commitment. In Genesis 32, verse 26, it says, Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Jacob had a commitment. One of the things that made him change is he was committed to the cause. There's a crisis. There's a struggle in his life. There's a battle going on in his life. But you don't change without a commitment. He's persistent. He's determined. He's got this stick-with-it attitude. I'm not going to quit. I don't care how tired I am. I'm not, I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to quit until I get my blessing. I'm not going to give up until I get my blessing. Some of you need a blessing in your marriage. I'm saying don't give up. Don't give up. Keep fighting. Keep fighting. Keep fighting for it. Because God wants to bless you. Thank you, Put money, time, and energy into that. You've made a great investment in your marriage. Fight for it. I've always found it funny that a couple will put $25,000, stuff like that, into a wedding, and they're not willing to put 100 bucks a week in counseling to save that same marriage. How foolish is that just from a financial point of view? You put $25,000 into this big wedding, and unwilling to put $100 a buck into counseling to save that same marriage. What's wrong with people? What a priority mix-up, right? But we see that all the time, right? Yeah, you hang in there. You fight for that marriage. You do everything on your part to make it work. It's giving up. We give up too soon when sometimes the answer is right around the corner. Sometimes the answer is right in front of us. We're just not willing to take it. We're not willing to look at it and go for it and seek the answer. God doesn't solve the problems immediately either. Most problems in our life didn't happen immediately, and he doesn't solve them immediately. Why not? Because he wants you to be committed. He wants you to be committed. Show some fight. Don't let go. Don't give up on that wrestling match. Don't give up on the struggle you're going through. Fight it to the end. Hang in there a little bit longer. God's going to do something great. In your notes, God often waits to resolve a problem to see if we really mean business. That's not a passing whim, that we really want it, that we're not quitters, that we're going to hang in there and do everything on our part to make it right. In your notes, many people miss God's best because they give up too soon. We just give up too soon. We're not willing to hang in there long enough. 
I mean, I talked about at the beginning how we'll start something and not finish. You know, an exercise program, a diet, whatever it is. We're such a microwave society now where we get instant results. And we want instant, instant results on everything. But character change is never going to take place in an instant. Personal problems that build over years, they're not going to change in an instant. You know, some of the problems that we have, it took us eight years to get to the problem where we are now. It might take us eight years to turn it around. It might take that long. Sometimes it takes a long time to turn things around. But commitment means you stick with it. You work on it. You don't give up. You don't give up. Jacob said, I'm committed to the struggle. I'm not giving up. I want a blessing out of this. I want a blessing out of this time that I put into this work. I'm not giving up. I want a blessing out of the time I've invested in my kids. I'm not giving up. I want a blessing out of the time that I've invested in my marriage. I'm not giving up. You do everything on your part not to give up. If somebody else gives up, you can't be responsible for what other people do. But you do everything on your part to not give up. To get something out that, get a blessing out of the investments that you put into life. The hang-ups that we have, we didn't develop them overnight. You know, they've been going for a long time. It's going to take God layer after layer after layer to put some of the changes that we need in our life. Here's how, here's how Paul said it in Galatians. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Let us not become weary in doing good. Don't get tired in your good effort. Don't get tired. For at the proper time, which is probably not at your timing, because your timing is now. Okay, God, at the proper time, which is now, God. And God said, no, it's not the proper time yet. At the proper time, we might reap a harvest, maybe. No, it says we will. We will reap a harvest if there is a if involved, if we do not give up. That tells me a lot of the solutions are going to end up being great if we just don't quit, if we don't give up, if we just hang in there and fight to the end. That was a characteristic that Jacob had that brought about change, is he would not give up. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. We put that into our life, it's going to change things, and it can help bring about change in our life. The third thing that happens here is phase three is confession. Genesis 32, 27, the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Now, why is he asking him what his name is? Because remember at those times, your name had an identity with your character of who you were. So him saying, I'm Jacob, I'm, you know me, I'm that trickster. He had to admit who he was. I'm that guy that manipulates people. That's what his name means. We see it clearly as you read on with what happens because God gives him a new name. God's going to change his name. He's going to call him Israel, which means he who struggles with God. But it has a second meaning. It's a double meaning word. Israel also means prince of God. Well, I kind of see Jacob sort of like a crook. And yet God sees that same guy and God says, but I see a prince. Isn't that great? Because maybe if we looked at you, maybe your name would be temper. Right? Maybe your name would be lust. 
Maybe your name would be unreliable. Maybe your name would be guilty. Maybe your name would be depressed. Maybe your name would be worrier. Maybe your name would be greedy. Maybe your name would be resentful, right? You know, these might be the names that we would have. And God looks at you and says, that's not how I see you. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that good? God says, that's not the way I see you. I see you differently. When that changes the way that we see ourselves, that changes everything. But it started with confession. First, he had to confess. He had to admit who he was himself before God told him how God saw him. In your notes, I'll never be able to change my weakness until I admit them. If I can admit to myself, first of all, this like I get angry too easily, so I admit, okay, this is a problem I have. And then I admit it to God. God, this is my problem. And then I admit it to somebody that I trust that's a significant person in my life that will hold me accountable, that will call me on it, that they have that freedom to. When you admit it to yourself, you admit it to God, and you admit it to a significant person, you're going to start having victory. But as long as it's my little secret, or I, I, like, I justify it, like, well, come on, I'm only human. You know what we do? Like, somebody else's weakness, we think, how can they live that way? But my weakness, gee, I'm only human. What do you expect? So we accuse and we excuse. I accuse you for everything that you do wrong, but I excuse everything I do wrong. That's what we do. Because why? Because I'm comfortable with my weaknesses. <laughs> they don't bother me. They bother you. So it's easy for me. I'm so comfortable with this that I really feel like, gee, I'm only human. Come on. But I'm not comfortable with your weaknesses because they're different than mine. And I may be good at that, and I'm thinking, well, why can't they be like me? Well, thank goodness they're not like me because then they, they would have my weaknesses. You know, we all have our own weaknesses. We, have, we all have the areas that we need to change. And instead of excusing mine and accusing you, I need to start focusing on mine, admit it to myself, this is bad, it's got to change. Admit it to God and get key people that you trust to hold you accountable. That's what it takes to change. It started with him admitting it to himself. This is who I am, and it's not good. I've got to make changes in my life. I can't blame others. I can't pass the buck. It's humbling to admit a weakness. Sometimes our weaknesses are embarrassing, and we don't want to tell anybody. It's embarrassing. It humbles you. But God said, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Well, if you humble yourself with a weakness and you confess it to the right people that are going to support you and help you, it's humbling, but God gives you grace. I need God's grace because I need God to show me grace. That's unmerited favor. It's, I don't deserve it, but he's shown me grace, and he'll help you. That's the key thing with the 12 steps. If you've ever gone through the 12 steps, if you read the 12 steps, they're all biblical. It came out of a group of Christians that started it. Started it. They just don't call it a Christian program because they want people from all faiths to go because the steps work. Because it's from the Bible. So even though it comes from the Bible, they don't promote that. But every step is biblical. And you look at that. The whole thing of success is admitting that you have a problem, relying on a power greater than yourself. But one of it is getting other people for support. You know, that's part of it as well. But these are the things that work. If you want to change your life, you've got to do the things that work. And so much of it has to do with admitting that I have this weakness, admitting that it is a problem. The more honest and tra transparent you are, the healthier you're going to be as a person. 
your character and everything. It brings health. I hope our church will always be a church where someone struggling feels like this is a place, a safe haven. This is a safe haven. When I go to Church of Beach Cities, if I have a struggle, they never condemn me. They just love on me and encourage me and support me. I want our church to always be that way. Because that's what helps. It, it's an inviting environment where people realize, you know, here's a place I can grow. You know why it should always be that way? Because who in this room doesn't have a problem, right? Who in this room doesn't have a weakness? We all have weaknesses. So we want it to be a place of grace and support and growth, not condemnation. I've been to churches that are very condemning. The truth of the matter is, I already feel condemned by my weaknesses, by my sins. I already feel condemned. It doesn't take anybody preaching at me to make me feel worse. I already feel bad about the things I do bad. I'm here for hope. I'm here for hope. Hey, Lord, I need hope. Hope for what? Hope for a changed life. I want hope. And we're always going to be a church that's delivering hope. There's hope. You can change. Your life can become better. It doesn't have to stay the same. That's the message of the Bible. Phase four is cooperation. Cooperate with what God wants to do in your life. In Genesis 32, 28 through 30, it says, Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face. He changes his name, gives him a new name there. By the way, Peniel means the face of God. Jacob came face to face with God. All of us have to do that. Everybody will come face to face with to God. Guaranteed. Everybody will come face to face with God. What I'm saying is, it's better to do it now. <laughs> You're going to come face to face with God. It's better to do it now. Don't wait till then. Come face to face with God now. God, I want you in my life. Meet him. Get to know him in a personal way. Develop a relationship with him now. Now is the time to do it. He wants to be your friend. He didn't come to condemn you. He came to save you. He came to deliver you. He came to give you support and hope and a good life. We need to come face to face with God. Sometimes we need to come face to face with ourselves. And look at what's really happening in our life. So we can recognize the things that need to change. God wants to bless you. If he could bless somebody like Jacob, who, let me give you a little bit of his a story. I did a little bit at the beginning where he tricks his brother out of his birthright. He tricks his brother out of his inheritance. Your own brother, come on. You do that? He, he, he tricks his father-in-law where he ends up getting most of the sheep and all this stuff and stuff. And so he gets wealthy off of manipulation things that he does with his father-in-law. And I mean, that's just who he was. That's the type of character he has. And if God can turn that guy's life around and change his, then I think he can probably change my life and your life. In fact, he takes this guy who's pretty rotten, changes his life around, calls him Israel, and of all the people in the Bible, 
the nation of Israel picks him to be the name of their country. Why is that? Why is that? Because God changes lives. God takes the guy that you wouldn't want. Like, uh, what's the name of your country? Uh, we're kind of manipulator, deceiving. You know, they didn't say, we're going to call ourselves Jacob. No. Israel. Israel. Prince of God. What a beautiful name for a country. What a beautiful name for a person. Prince of God. Wow. A whole nation. What a privilege and joy. You know, can you stand, imagine we go to heaven and we meet Jacob one day, which, by the way, after that point, everybody calls him Israel. We meet Israel one day, and we're talking to him, and he's talking to us, and what an honor and joy and probably a humility that must come over him to when people say, wow, you're that man that God named their nation after. Wow. It's pretty incredible. That's a pretty great story of a changed life. Someone that, you know, the first half of his life is he's not somebody you would want to name anything after. And then the second half of his life, he's a different person. God does his deepest work in our identity and how we see ourselves. When you're in a deep relationship with God, it changes the way you see yourself. You start seeing yourself as, I'm a child of God. When you think about that, God of the universe, he created everything, and I'm his child. When you change how you see yourself, it changes the way you live. If you believe you're a loser, you know what happens? You act like a loser, right? If you believe you're a winner, you act like a winner. A lot of it is what you believe about yourself. If you believe what God says about you and you're in that relationship with him, it changes how you see yourself. And when you know that you're loved by God and he's really your father and he cares about you, it changes everything. It changes everything. It starts from the inside. Genesis 32, 31, it says, The sun rose up above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. You might remember earlier it said, while they were wrestling, he touched his hip and it dislocated Jacob's hip. And the rest of Jacob's life, he's walking with a limp. What's significant about that? Jacob walks with a limp. You know, it's a constant reminder of two truths. One is, I must depend on God, not my own strength. To work the changes. Jacob always relied on his own strength. The strongest part of your body really is your legs. You know, and he always relied on his own strength. He's limping. What did he use his own strength to do? Every time he's in a problem, what does he do? He runs. He runs. He messes up his brother's life. His brother gets mad and wants to kill him. What does he do? He flees to another place. Then he messes up his father-in-law's life, and what does he do? He flees. He sneaks away. He, he never says, hey, because he's not on good terms. With his brother, he wasn't on good terms with his brother. He was running away because he did things to be on bad terms. He wasn't on good terms with his father-in-law. He was sneaking out in the middle of nighttime and running away. Why? Because of the things he was doing. He knew his father-in-law would be upset. He knew his brother. So what does he do? He relied on his legs. He relied on the strongest part of his body to run. He's a runner. Don't, isn't that a horrible way to live? Cause problems, then run out of there and leave everybody else with the mess. That happens in churches sometimes. Some people get in church, cause problems, then they leave and leave the mess for everybody else to take care of. You know what I mean? So, but that's what people can do sometimes. They'll do that in your life. You know, they'll do that in all kinds of situations. 
they're working with you, they cause problems, then they leave, and you have the mess to clean up. That's how some people are. That's Jacob. That's the type of character he was. And now he can't rely on his greatest power. You know why? He'll never run again. He limped. When he, in that wrestling match, when he dislocated his hip, he limped the rest of his life. What does that mean? God says, I'm going to change you in ways that you don't understand. I'm going to take away your biggest problem. You rely on your own strength to run, and you don't deal with the issues. And boom, that's never going to happen again. Change his life. Because what happens now? If you rely on your own strength, and you get in problems and you run, and now you can't run anymore, I bet you're going to deal with life differently now. Because now that I can't run and hide from you, maybe I better deal with you up front and do the right thing. Because next time I do you wrong and try to run off, you might actually catch me and kill me because I've relied on my strength to run, and now I'm limping the rest of my life. God will allow you to go through something that maybe physically affects you your whole life just to put you in a position where you're closer to him and you do other people right. God can do that. Sometimes that's why God allows some things to happen. It's for our good. Even though what's happening doesn't feel good. I don't want to limp the rest of my life. But if that's what it took for me to be right with God and right with others, sometimes God allows that. In this case, he definitely allowed it for that reason. So I must depend on God, not my own strength to work the changes. And number two, we never solve our problems by running from them. You never solve your problems by running from them. You have to face them. You have to work through them. This is why I say, do everything on your part not to give up on your marriage. You know what I mean? Don't run from it. Do everything that you can. You know, you can't, you know, you can't control what other people do, but you do everything you can. Do everything you, what you can not to give up on that teenager that you just think is a lost cause. I've tried everything, but don't give up. If, if they give up on you and they run from you and they hide from you, you can't do anything, but do everything on your, that you're not the person running, that you're not the person acting that way. Do everything on your part to do the right thing there. Don't run from your problems. You know what happens when you run from your problems? You take your problems with you. Because his problem was he was the manipulator, and then when things got bad because of what he did, he ran. He's in a new place now. And what happened? He's still a manipulator. He's a manipulator here. When problems got too bad because of what he did, he ran. What happens? He's still a manipulator. When God took away his ability to run, now all of a sudden he realizes, I can't live that way anymore. Because I can't run. I can't rely on me anymore. They'd catch me. I don't have a chance. You never solve your problems by running because you always take the problem with you. Because when you're running, you are the problem. You're the problem when you're running. You're not dealing with the situation. Here's the lesson of Jacob. The, le the lesson is you don't have to stay the same. You don't have to stay the same. Where are you this morning in this four-step process? Is there a crisis going on in your life? Is that crisis due to maybe some things that you've done? Maybe you're in a financial crisis, but maybe it's because of you didn't handle your finances correctly, and you know that. 
And maybe you're trying to justify it, this and that. But maybe what you need to do is say, no, it's actually my fault. I, I did not handle them right. That's why I got in this mess. You have to be honest. And you have to think, well, this is a crisis that's happened to me, so I'll learn. I'm not going to do it again, but I need to learn. This is part of the process. Sometimes you get in things because of what you did. Maybe there's a relationship crisis here, and maybe there's things that you've done that's a part of it. Usually a relationship crisis isn't 100% somebody else's fault. You know, uh, it might not be 50-50, but you can at least say, this is what I did wrong, and if I would have handled this differently, because otherwise you don't get better. Even if, it, even if the relationship ended and there's nothing that you could do to save it, you can still look back and say, what could have I done differently? What could have I done so that you change it for your next relationship, right? As opposed to just running and denying it and acting like I had no part in it, and then you bring all that same garbage into the next relationship, and you go like this, wow, I, I'm getting, you know, I don't want to be with her because she's horrible. Then you get in the next relationship, and everything's the same. Oh, and they're horrible. Then you go over, they're horrible. There's one constant that took place in all three of those relationships. That's you. That's you. So maybe I need to change. Maybe there's things I need to do. Don't go through three relationships of horrible, horrible, horrible before you wake up and think maybe I'm the problem. Work on the first one. Work on the first one. What do I need to do to change? So sometimes the crises that we're in, they're there because we need to make some changes. I'm the one that put myself here. Or at least I have a part of it that I can change. Allow those crises to be used for the good by reflecting on yourself. I'm not saying every crisis you go through has, has to do with you doing something wrong. Sometimes it's just life, right? You know, sometimes just life happens and you're in a crisis. But a lot of crises we go through, they're there to teach us a lesson so that we change and become a better person. But a lot of people go through the crisis and they never get better because they don't look at themselves. Number two is commitment. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe you'd say, my issue, that's what's really preventing me from being what I could be is I don't commit to things. I'm the type of person that will take a, a class at school, and when it gets difficult, I drop it. I'll do, you know, I'll start, I'm, I, that's how I am. And you have to say, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to change my character. I'm going to make a promise and actually follow through. Even if I don't like it, I'm going to follow through. The most successful people in the world, they're successful because they do things that they don't feel like doing. They do things that they don't feel like doing. Look at any Olympic champion. Do you think they felt like getting up at 4 a.m. and swimming for two hours before they go to work? Come on, nobody in their right mind. God's not even awake yet. You know, so... You, people don't want to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and swim two hours and then work all day and then go back and swim again in the evening. You know, you win a gold medal or you get to the Olympics even by doing things that nobody else wants to do, including yourself. You know, it's not comfortable. When I was in college practicing, the practices were horrible. I mean, we were dying at the end of each practice. But... The only way that you compete at that level is you have those type of practices. And the only way that you're going to have success is by having those type of practices. If wrestling practice was fun, 
I would be lousy. I would have been a lousy wrestler. I was so much fun. No, it wasn't fun. And it wasn't fun like having a hard practice and losing eight pounds. Like, okay, I have to make that weight by Saturday and it's Thursday. I've got to lose eight pounds. That's not fun. That's not fun. And then you weigh in and then you only have like about an hour before matches start to eat and drink and you're dehydrated, and you're trying to get all back up there, and then you, get, you gain all that eight pounds back over the day, and you're wrestling, and then you need to make weight the next day. So then you spend all night losing eight pounds again so that you can wrestle the next day. You know, that's not fun. That's not fun. My most successful tournaments were when I lost weight because <laughs> I would lose weight, then I would eat, and I was eight pounds heavier than everybody else. It was most successful, but it was most miserable. Sometimes to be the champion... It takes misery to get there. So don't think it's going to always be fun. Commitment is not always fun, but it's the only way to have success. If you're committed, like, I want to have a successful business, it's not going to be fun. Not all the time. But you know what's going to be fun? Going on that trip to Hawaii afterwards because you have money to do it. And going to, to Tahiti because you have money to do it. And having a house in a nice neighborhood because you have money to do it. Is it fun? No, it's not fun to do all that work sometimes. But it pays off. So commitment isn't always fun. But you commit to it because if you want a blessing, it takes commitment. I think the blessings you get out of it is way more than the heartache. The blessings you get out of it is always way more than the heartache. The blessing I got from an education is way more than the curse of being on the wrestling team <laughs> you know so the blessings are greater and the blessings last a lifetime um maybe you're in the point of it's confession that's your problem is you're just not willing to confess what your weaknesses are you're not willing to admit it to yourself and to others like hey i have a problem with drugs or hey i have a problem with alcohol or hey i really am unreliable i need a change or i'm really worrier or I'm really struggling with depression, or I have a problem with gossip, or I really have a problem with my temper. We're not willing to admit it. We excuse it. We have our reasons why I'm that way, and it's okay. Well, until you're willing to confess, you're not going to get anywhere. So maybe that's who you are. Maybe that's me. I need to confess what my weakness is so I can start working on it. I need to admit it. I've got to change this area. Maybe that's where you are. And that maybe your problem is just cooperation with God. You're not willing to say, okay, God, I'm yours. Whatever you say, I'm going to do. Whatever, whenever, however, it doesn't matter what it is. Whatever you say, God, I'm going to do. What do you want me to do? I'm going to do it, God, no matter what it is. Maybe you're not cooperating with God because you want God to tell you what he's going to do, and then you decide yes or no. It doesn't go that way. It doesn't work that way. God, tell me what you want me to do, and then I'll let you know if I'm going to do it. No. God says, well, I'm not going to tell you. I'll, I'll go to somebody that wants to hear. I'll find somebody that wants to follow me. Look at Ephesians 4, and 23. So get rid of your old self, which made you live as you used to, and put on the new self, which is created in God's likeness. And that's what you're doing. Have an old self. What's the old self? This is the way I like to do it, God. That's the old self. What's the new self? God, I'm surrendering my life to you. Whatever you say, you're now God. I'm no longer my own God. You're God. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. That's what it means. Get rid of that old life. Start a new life. It's not turning over a new leaf. It's turning over a new life. When Jesus said, you must be born again in the book of John, 
That's what he's talking about, a new life. It's not talking about reincarnation. It's talking a new life. Like, I'm born again. I have a new start. This time I'm going with God. Psychologists say you can't change your personality. And they're right. You can't change your personality. But you can always change your character. There's a difference. There's a big difference between the two. If you're an outgoing person, that's just your personality. If you like to talk more than others, that's your personality. If you like to be quiet and more reflective, that's your personality. If you are a go-getter, that's your personality. A lot of these things are your personality. But your character can always change. Oh, I get angry too easily. Or I get hurt too easily. That's just as bad. Your character can always change. God wants to change your character. But you have to submit yourself to him. God, I'm yours. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And anything that I pray, I want you to pray along with me. And anything that I say that reflects what's going on in your life, I want to encourage you to make this your prayer to God today. Let's pray. Father, I want to cooperate with you. I want to trust you to change me. I want to relax and place my life in your hands. Jesus, I need change. I want change. And I'm asking you to help me. With your help, I believe I can. Help me with my unbelief. I want to be born again. I want a new life. I want those changes that you can do. I want to be forgiven for my past. I want to start over. Lord, each of us in this room have areas in our life that we know need work on. We want you to change us. We want to recognize ourselves as princes and princesses. Lord, we want to recognize us as your child. Lord, we want to believe who we really are and trust you for the change. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.